one, and we are live, everyone, for a new episode of the Electric Podcast. I am Fred Lambert, your host, and as usual, I'm joined by Seth Wintraum. How are you doing today, Seth? I'm good. All right, I hope you're ready because we have a ton of news to discuss uh, today, and we're going to start with something that just broke uh, news about an hour or so ago, and that's uh, Tesla opening its charge connector in the hope of making it a new standard. So... This is interesting because we, we, we discussed that just recently because of Aptera. If you guys don't know Aptera, it's the, this company that's making this three-wheeler that's like a hyper-efficient electric vehicle uh, that uh, is uh, can be powered by solar. You can put some solar on top. And uh, you, technically, if you drive it for like less than like 10, 20 miles a day, it's basically just a solar car. You only charge it with solar. But it also has a bigger battery pack and you can still plug in to charge it. And they they made the argument, which is a strong argument, that oh um, the the article doesn't show up. Sorry, let me let me see what happens here. It's just because it opens up in a new tab. Oh no no no! All right, it's gonna work like that. Boom. Okay, sorry about that little technical mistake on my. Yeah, we, we've got a new site this week, so it's we're yeah. we're learning everything. Yeah, when I was putting the podcast posts together, <laughs> I had to, ad- to adapt because if you just like the headlines, it doesn't necessarily put the link in anymore. Um, but it's just take me more one more second, so it's not a big deal. Okay, anyway, back to the news here. They were making the argument that um, the Tesla connector, which you see here on the screen right now, uh, and in the background of it, you see the CCS connector uh, at scale is just a much more efficient solution. It's just a more, more, much more elegant design, smaller, easier to handle. And it also happens, according to Tesla, it's twice as capable as CCS in terms of the total capacity. That's news to us. We're going to have to dive a little deeper in that, but uh, you, you'll understand for a second because we have a lot more information about the, the Tesla connector now due to Tesla's effort to open it. Uh, so what they're... What uh, Abtera did at the time, because technically they could, that, that's what's the confusion about the news to, today about Tesla opening the connector, because uh, people are like, eh, didn't Tesla already open source their, their patent and everything? Yes, they did. Uh, but what Tesla is doing today is a little bit more than that. Like, even though your patent are open source, and of course, there's always a little asterisk over how Tesla open source their patent, because they, they say the open sources, but they, they mostly say that we won't sue you if you use our designs or, or, or technology, uh, as long as you don't sue us for using your technology, uh, which is not really a, it's the sort of things that like Tesla is doing that so that they want to use other people's technology. It's more about uh, uh, they just want to make sure it's, it's a fair game where they, like, they, people just don't start stealing their tech and and then and then suing Tesla for for, for uh, over some patents and technology disagreement. Um, so, but to, to do that, so Atera wanted to adapt the, the technology, but to, to do it, they need a little bit more than just the patent being open. They need, they need all the specs, all the design, and even like construction, engineering, uh, schematic and everything. And Tesla, that's what Tesla is opening right now because they want to make the, their connector the standard for North America. And they went a step further they changed the name, which doesn't sound like much, but it's actually that's actually a big deal. Uh, the, now the, the connector is to be called, and starting this point forward, the North American Charging Standard, the NACS. Max. Max. Okay, let's let's go for <laughs> Max. Let's call it Max. So Max. The big deal with changing the name is that one of the things that was preventing the Tesla connector to become the standard because 
it, it predates the CCS connector, if, I, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, it's uh, 2012 that's introduced the, 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 the it's 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 storage connector. Yeah, I mean, it debuted with the Model S, so in yeah. 2012. But um, yeah, I don't know, like you know, if they had the schematics for for the CCS thing beforehand, mm -hmm. you know how slow those standards bodies are. I don't know. Like I'm trying to think. I know Chatmo was around. Yeah. Uh, because of the Nissan Leaf, but that was, and the Volt didn't have anything. Yeah, I mean, as far as we know, uh, the first you know implementation was 2012. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Tesla was extremely early, obviously, in, in adopting electric vehicles and only making electric vehicles, and they had to develop their own standard. And um, now, what, what's happening, even though like the CCS has been adopted by basically every other automaker that, other than Tesla. They they end up with um, if even if they want to use a Tesla connector, like the auto industry is such a competitive industry, like it would look bad to just okay, we're gonna all adopt Tesla standard as a connector. Like this is never gonna happen in the industry. So just changing the name to now it's the NAX, North American Charging Standard, that will help a little bit. Though obviously Tesla's name is still strongly attached to it at this point, so it might take a little bit of time. But you might see not maybe not some legacy automakers go for this, but uh, some new startup might might decide to adapt this. And the big difference is since it's completely open, uh, I would assume that Tesla is not charging any licensing fees for for using it, which is a big difference compared to the G1772 CCS uh, um, connectors. So that's that's already like a big difference there. And then Tesla claims a bunch of things, including the fact that uh, um, this, here's the the blog post that Tesla posted today. They claim that the it's uh, it has no moving parts, half the size, and twice as powerful as the CCS connectors. We just learned today that you can take up to a thousand volt. Um, a thousand so, volts a lot. Like that yeah. that starts to uh, jump. Mm -hmm. You know, start to get sparks and stuff. Yeah, it starts Dark. to melt things, really. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, and Tesla makes the argument also that uh, like the CCS is not really the standard in in North America right now. Like the the Tesla connector or now the Nax is the standard because they have more charging station than uh, CCS than third party connectors like EVgo and Digital uh, America all put together. Uh, so they have a, a strong argument here, and with might seriously, Aptera might have been the the push that they made, and the petition I didn't mention, they, they had a, a petition, and I just today uh, looked at the numbers because we haven't looked at them since they posted it. Like uh, uh, it was earlier this summer, they had forty thousand signature for it, which I mean does might not sound like that much, but for something as niche as like a standard for EV charging station, yeah. it's 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 pretty significant. Obscure for sure. Because because no one no one is gonna argue against it in terms of uh, the actual logic behind it. Like it is a more elegant solution. Uh, the only downside is really like the, the problem is like all other Tesla vehicle have uh, other all other vehicle other than Tesla have already adopted it. So that's definitely gonna be like a big change for them to to do it. But you can probably come up with an adapter. And when you zoom out and you look at on um, the grand scheme of things, there's Definitely going to be a lot more electric vehicle produced from this day forward than uh, from now back to whenever EV started, let's say 2012 when Tesla launched the Model S. So if we all adopt a unified standard right now, obviously it would have a positive impact long term and 
converting all charging station to it is just it's a big ask so with tesla just posting a blog post like that they did say in the blog post that some charging uh, station charging network operators already have plans to adopt it um but i, I we that's not enough details i mean we know we know evgo already is has put tesla charge connectors on 600 stations so that could that could just be it but that's not like that's not those station just being tesla connectors or nax now it's it's uh, nax and ccs and even chademo at some station uh, so yeah and they just use the chademo adapter so they're only at 50 50 kilowatts um, oh no i thought no i thought they were straight up putting the connector on this no, well, I mean they they are basically buying a Tesla Chatmo adapter and putting it in the station. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, that's what oh. I mean that's up until this point that's what EVgo has been doing. Okay. Well, that but, okay, but, well, but that move will, will change that at least like Tesla's going to actually sell them uh connectors I would assume and you you can get the full capacity out of them. Uh that that would make sense. Oh, we have uh, Carl in San Diego that said the CCS was adopted in October 2012 with the Sherry Spark being the first to adopt. That's a nice little uh, that's interesting. tidbit of information. That's right around when the first Model that, S Exactly out. around that. <laughs> it was Q4 2020, uh, 2012, so right around the same time. But like Chevy Spark was the first to adopt it, but Chevy Spark was not in 2012, if I remember correctly. I think it's 2013. Oh, maybe model year 2013. That makes that could make sense. That's possible. Yeah. yeah, I think that thing was a crazy little car. It had more torque than a uh, Ferrari. Yeah, <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna talk about Tehran later later on, and uh, the, the uh, I hadn't seen one of those in a long time. But uh, when the uh, one of the engineers came to my house uh, to to fix the prototype that they gave me, they had a little spark, and it uh, it brought me back when I saw that car. Yeah. So, like go, going back to this thing. Uh, why after a decade of using the adapter why didn't tesla do this 10 years ago or why didn't they do that you know at some point sooner why are they doing this now yeah so if you want my opinion on it and it's just my opinion like i don't know it for a fact it has to do with the uh, ira the the, the new uh, actually that's not the ira that's the um infrastructure bill that came before right infrastructure. Uh, that unlocked the um that unlocked the billions of dollars in investment in charging station is like six or seven billion dollars uh, that is currently being distributed right now. I think the first batch uh, happened just a few weeks ago, from a month ago. And one of the requirements to get some funding to deploy those new charging station is that uh, you, it's a weird requirement. It did not require you to have a CCS adapter uh, or C compatibility with CCS. And Tesla has indicated that they will enable compatibility with CCS. And I think, uh, by the way, some people are thinking that this announcement today means that they're not going to do that. I don't think that that's the case. I think they're still going to do that because there's still value in that. There's uh, hundreds of thousands of vehicles now on, on the road that uh, can, can use the supercharger with CCS. That would make a ton of sense. But uh, what they do require is that the charging station that get the funding needs to be uh, able to operate with electric vehicles from more than one automaker it's a weird way to phrase this because but more than one automaker that basically was targeting just tesla uh, tesla and rivian even though rivian used the ccs on their fast charging station that they're deploying they are locked just to work with rivian vehicles for now at least 
so that will I'm sure that Rivian is is, is considering their options on that front because they I'm sure they're also going to want to have some of that money. But yeah, so if Tesla can instead of adopting CCS at those new station that they want funding for, if they can have another automaker adopt their own standard, then all of their station automatically become um, eligible for funding. And I mean, literally, it could be that Aptera, if Aptera brings their vehicle to market with CCS, uh, not with the NAX now as their standard, then Tesla has access to the funding. So that, that would make sense right now. Uh, to be fair, like that sounds like Tesla is just going after some government money and everything. I'm not. I'm not saying that in any nefarious way whatsoever. Uh, it might literally be that Tesla, like, with Aptera, Tesla would have wanted that for a long time. Obviously, it would be an advantage mm -hmm. if their own standard, be, if their own connector become the standard. It's just a giant advantage for them. But what what happened is is that for a long time it didn't look like a possibility with everyone adopting CCS and everything. But now with Aptera pushing for that and Tesla seeing some momentum for it, maybe they said, oh, let's give it a shot and see, see if we can get people on board. Do you have another take on this or do you agree? Yeah, I mean, I agree with that. I, I think that um, now is that, you know, that's why they're making this decision now. Um, I think, you know, they should have done this a long time ago. I think it would have been kind of better for the industry to have one standard. And Tesla would have been at an advantage if it was, mm -hmm. you know, the standard bearer, I guess. But then there's always the questions like, well, who controls it? Like if, you know, Volkswagen wants to do something different, do they have to go through Tesla? Do they, you know, if, if you know, you're going over a megawatt or something mm -hmm. somewhere down the line in the future for trucks, you know, who controls that? You know, you can't fork it. There's all kinds of stuff. And I don't know if Tesla in this blog post has really answered like, you know, is it really truly a standard that uh, you know all the automakers can get involved in the other thing is it's just the physical handle so the ccs thing is not just the the handle it's also the the handshake and you know the whole adapter oh, I, and all the I other think stuff it's the whole thing too i think it's the whole thing for tesla i haven't had time like this is by the way if people are not aware this literally came out like in two hours ago so tesla has released all the documentation so we haven't have time to go through the whole thing so don't don't uh, take it on us if uh, if we don't have everything right right now. But it looks like it's the whole thing. Like this stuff, first of all, it's definitely the, 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 the on the vehicle side too. Like they, they released this image, but it looks like it's the entire protocol and the handshake and everything. Everything is included. It looks like uh, I've I've just been perusing a little bit the documentation that they released, but some of it, like you can go on the website right now, like or Google Electric. We have the link. The download link is right there. I'm showing it right now on the on it and. Um, yeah, it goes into uh, very details about how to even incorporate that in a vehicle and everything. It's uh, there's even the pin, the DC AC, uh, the AC, the DC pin, uh, all the connectors, the inlet, everything is in there. It's but we know cool. all Teslas that are built right now can do CCS uh, with an adapter. Mm -hmm. So you know, I think like the best case scenario would be that all vehicles can do both Tesla and you know, NACs and CCS. And then, at, you know, at that point, you know, either make two, two holes in the car or, you know, give everybody an adapter to carry around and then everybody can charge everywhere. And yeah, then, but I mean, we're, we, the, we're also early. Like, we're, it's, it sounds weird to say, but like 
because it's been 10 years in the making, but it's, we're also still early enough that we could make the switch. Uh, it's just, you, you think there's like no, no chance whatsoever that everyone gets on board. That's what you're saying. I don't, I don't see Volkswagen and Ford GM. and stuff. Yeah, just throwing their lot in with Tesla because yeah. if Tesla controls the standard, they you know they're losing some. But at the same time, they don't should... have charging stations though. That's the right. whole thing. That's true. Um, maybe what should happen is uh, Charin, the group that covers CCS, should say, "Okay, let's figure this out. We're going to make our you know CCS three adapter is really just a Tesla adapter." So. Like mm -hmm. the roadmap is to go from both CCS and Tesla to yeah. one unified adapter. And and it sounds like this this Tesla spec has some new stuff in it, like megawatt charging, which we hadn't mm -hmm. heard that this thing could do before. So maybe there's some new stuff here. Maybe Charn can be convinced. You know, we know Tesla's part of the Charn uh, use group, user group. So um, maybe there's a way to kind of like make this all go to one spot. Um, and keep compatibility with CCS and and uh, Tesla as well. So hopefully yeah. that's in the works. But you know we know how these things don't always. Yeah, I know. I definitely agree with you that it's it's it would be a quite the task to, to get everyone on board. But this is the first step to see like how is it even a possibility really. And uh, and when you look at this image here, and congrats to whoever at Tesla pulled pull that together. Like there's no excuse. Like when you when you look at this thing, you're like, all right. Like who who did that? <laughs> it's just, it's yeah, like, I mean, it, it becomes like an accessibility uh, concern as well because those are quite heavy, and you know, with the big cords, those things are very hard to plug in. And uh, if if you have any accessibility issues, maybe that becomes a problem. So mm -hmm. you know, you got to fix that stuff. And this is, you know, it's gonna it, it's gonna come to a head. Like this is gonna come to one of these kind of situations where it, they're gonna have to, you know, have an easier solution, I guess. Yeah. Well, it's something that we're going to keep an eye on in the next few months to see if the, the story evolves. But uh, we're also going to have a few more stories later on today or tomorrow about uh, when once we can get to the entire documentation because uh, I'm sure there's a few pieces of news here that is going to be important. But let's move on about what has dominated the news all week in the Tesla world, which is kind of annoying for some people because uh, it uh, it's... it's, it's uh, <laughs> it's it is not about it is. Tesla, really. <laughs> well, it, it became about Tesla. And he, he made it about Tesla, where um, uh, he's been selling Tesla stock food to finance not just the finance the acquisition of Twitter, but now it sounds that it's to finance the survival of Twitter. <laughs> and that's how he made it sound. So, so this week, well, actually, this it was disclosed this week, but we learned that uh, um, in the UCC filing that on last Friday, on Monday, and on Tuesday, Elon unloaded um, millions of share worth over almost $4 billion of Tesla share. And looks looks like he basically directly contributed to Tesla stock uh, dropping about 30% uh, during that time by uh, just unloading those share. Uh, that selling pressure was, was big on Tesla and wiped out uh, over $100 billion worth of value at Tesla, uh, which... Uh, I'm I'm starting to see some like I'm thought like over the last year no more than that over the last two years I've seen a lot of like hardcore Tesla fans just Elon fans excuse me a lot of Elon fans start moving away from him a little bit and for a bunch of different reasons like his political alliance these days and uh, not alliance but uh, affiliation I should say and may, making himself a political person at this point like literally uh, this week he told like 
people you should vote Republican, which is kind of a very rare thing to say for uh, a C, not just a CEO, but someone as influential as Elon Musk. Like you don't you don't get people like weighing in that much like that. Um, which I'm not completely like if I wouldn't be completely against it because like these people, these super rich people, they they actually put money in those elections, like they, they put millions of dollars to influence them. And Elon did it in the past. Like, so what's the really the big difference between actually putting your money to try to influence election and actually using your influence to influence them? So I don't know about that. What, what I, I'm, I don't like as much is... Uh, what appears to be is logic behind uh i mean there's there's two things in it i don't know if we want to get into that too much but uh i find it very interesting because so in the actual statement where he said vote republican this week he said it was because the democrats have the white house so it would balance things out okay okay if that's really your logic that's fine but then in other comments that are not like directly political, where 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 he's more commenting on the on, on the situation, he he seems to say that the reason that he's pro-Republican right now is because the Democrats hates him. And like, like he said, you know, that the whole Biden situation that happened over the course of like a, a year and a half and and all that. And just this week he was tweeting at Omar where Omar was literally like, Omar is so weird. Sometimes he's like not self-aware very much of like, he doesn't realize that when he points out something obvious, it's, he doesn't realize like that in whether, um, how it comes out really where he, where he said, uh, oh, people are so frustrated that Elon is the, is not recommending to vote Democrats for a, a party that hates him. And then Elon responded to that. Like, yes, that's exactly it. <laughs> So is the reason is like is it to balance the power or is it because you don't like the Democrats because the Democrats don't like you? I don't um, know. It, it seems pretty obvious that he's got a beef with the Democrats right now, both yeah. with Biden and then you know there were, originally it was that woman that uh, you know told him to f you. The, yeah, there was that. You're right. There you know, was, was COVID, COVID and right. then it was the Biden not inviting him to some kind of uh, announcement. And uh, and obviously the the biggest one I get is was the the union thing that they were gonna do against Tesla for the tax credit. Right. Like that that is actually has an impact. That's my whole point. It's like okay, like people don't like you for whatever reason. I mean, I'm pretty sure Elon is aware that he's a pretty divisive person, and not everyone's gonna like him. I mean, especially at the scale he is, he's at. And. Uh, I just don't understand, like, oh, because some people in that party don't like you, dislike you, and say things, uh, you're going to vote for the other party despite of the actual politics behind them? Because I, I, my old my old point was always I thought Elon was pro-environment and, and wanted to, you know, his, his old comment about uh, we were doing this crazy scientific experiment of pumping carbon dioxide into the atmosphere and uh, we don't know what kind of results it's going to get like that's where that's the elon that got me that elon i was like oh, i was on board with <laughs> but uh, right. uh now and from in my view there's one party that uh is doing something about that there's another party that's not doing something about that so that that would be a hit for me personally because i think it's the biggest issue of our, of our time right now not that there's not other important issue they are but i think that if we don't solve this one the other ones don't matter that much uh so so yeah, I just I, I don't I don't like the way it's de it's devolving these days in, into that. But the way that the old and uh, I don't know if you like my headline here that 
Elon is selling $3.9 billion worth of Tesla to throw in the Twitter dumpster fire. Oh, I like it. Which is pretty much exactly what's happening right now. So uh, at, at all physical, uh, uh, more uh, psychological level, like there's a lot of things happening, but on the physical level, he's literally like taking money away from Tesla and putting it in in Twitter. And for what exactly? Because the, the Twitter situation right now uh, is uh, is kind of wild. I mean, this whole thing about, oh, we're going to charge you $20 for a verified check mark, and then, oh, it's going to be $8. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, it was going to be 20 sure. That's that's a classic move to charge you something that you weren't paying for before. <laughs> but, uh, no, I mean, and it, and it's firing back because the the, the logic behind And I, I think they pulled it today. Right, right now, they cannot you cannot subscribe and get the verified check mark today. They pulled yeah, it there's something weird where you... Like even people who bought the verified aren't even seeing the verified. Yeah, but I think I think because they pulled it today because too many right. people were were doing weird things with it. Because well, th that I thought uh, that's the weird thing about this. He saw it coming. Uh, he he said that I remember since because well, I assume everyone was telling him that because it was kind of obvious. But if the goal of the verified uh, buying the verified is to reduce spam bots and Yes, you're going to reduce the number, but you're going to increase the impact of those bots because if, not necessarily those bots, but those spammer, because if the person can, instead of having a million bots for free, they have like a few bots for $8 a month, but those bots are verified, uh, they're going to have a much more efficiency rate in terms of whatever scam they're pulling because it, people are actually, more people are actually going to think that it's for real. And sure enough, it's happening. I mean, uh, last week was people faking being Elon and saying some wild things and Elon banning them or suspending them. I don't know if there's a difference right now. Um, I don't know that well, guy, I saw Ethan. Zach. Oh, Zach, Zach, Zach guys. Yeah, Zach guys. Suspended yeah. or banned? Well, he's currently off and he had to create a new account. So. Really? So he's, yeah. he's probably banned, Ben. What did he do? He, you know, imitated Elon. He imitated Elon. Okay. Yeah, I've seen a bunch of, I've seen people with huge accounts like Ethan Klein has a, like millions of followers and he did it, and I know he said some wild things, though. I don't, which I don't encourage, it's silly. Right. But uh, now some people in, uh, they did Tesla this week. That's the whole right. thing. Some guy did Tesla real, and it looked like if you don't know, it looks as real as it gets. But so when Elon, especially when Elon, in the feed, yes, when you straight up in the feed, yeah, if people are retweeting it and you you see it and you don't know what's happening with Twitter, you would think that it's real. And so the, the whole logic behind it was that uh, last week when, when Elon was the subject of, the, of those jokes, uh, he asked that, okay, if you're doing a parody account, it's fine, but you have to put in the bio that it's parody, which, which I think was already the case before, to be, to, yeah. to be honest. Uh, so like, that's nothing new. So Elon was like, kind of stop, stop making fun of me or at least make it clear that you're not actually me or whatever. But then this week uh, when... The, the person did Tesla, so that was like that was an example. So if you look at it here, the only thing that you're gonna know from just this view of the of the tweet that it's not Tesla, and it got me for a second, it got me too, is that it's Tesla real instead of just at Tesla. Uh, so that's the only difference here, which is for most people it's not a lot. And sure enough, like that thing got five thousand like, uh, the video has got forty thousand hits, and that person was following the rule. If you clicked on the, the the actual profile and you see the bio, the bio clearly said it was a parody. 
So the person was following the rule. They got banned, though, because the, Elon changed the rules and said that the, the parody need to be in the actual name. Um, and I don't know if that's exactly fair because it looks like the account got what well, Elon was like, I changed the rule and then boom, the account was banned right away. Like give them a chance to, to adapt to the, those new rules. Not that I agree with what the account was doing, to be honest. Like obviously they were being a little bit malicious, but they weren't doing, they, they were respecting the rule. They were just right. like making fun of Tesla with making like false statement about whatever the company is doing. So like Elon was like, ah, and Twitter is all about fun now, but unless you're making fun of him or, or Tesla, really. Yeah, it's kind of a mess. It feels like uh, none of these ideas have been like really just tested or gamed out. It's kind of like, hey, I got an idea. Let's just put it into production. And then, oh, yeah. crap, I forgot about like this <laughs> one thing. So, you know, like I want to take a step back and like mm -hmm. this is not good for Tesla. And the reason it's not good for Tesla is because Elon has so tightly control, you know, put his name like he he basically eliminated the PR department and said yeah. basically all public statements from Tesla have to go out through my Twitter account. You know, I'm the one who does all this stuff. It's me, me, me. So he's inextricably tied himself to Tesla, and then he's going out and kind of making a fool of himself a little bit. I would say uh, with the Twitter thing. Um, you know, like he may be able to pull Twitter out. Like he's obviously an extremely smart guy. And I always thought Twitter was a, you know, very undervalued entity, especially with the, you know, the attention economy and how many important people use it. Um, so, you know, as long as people don't leave Twitter and there hasn't been that many people leaving and it's frankly been a soap opera since it started. <laughs> so like probably, you know, they're, they're getting more, more interaction now than they've ever gotten. Yeah. So, you know, I don't think it's like Twitter's dead. Um, I think Elon's probably going to, you know, make it a pretty weird place for a while. But um, the problem is, is like, because his credibility, Tesla, like his, his credibility is sinking, though. Exactly. So, um, you know, because he's so tied to Tesla, yeah. um, all the, you know, weird, crazy stuff he does there kind of, you know, you're, you're kind of like, well, if he's not putting any, thought into this thing is he putting any thought into robots and mm. is he putting thought into full self-driving you know is is he you know kind of bullshitting his way through all this other stuff so i think it's a bad thing for for tesla for elon to be you know doing all this stuff on twitter um but you know he's been kind of going down this road for a while and and i don't think tesla sales have hurt been hurt at all so yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to to say at this point just uh, how the impact how it's going to impact Tesla other than literally impacting the stock at this point with Elon like selling like crazy just to to finance this this Twitter project, right? But uh, at the credibility level, credibility level, it, it, it's important. But even before that, before even Elon even talked about acquiring Twitter. We were already worried about his use of Twitter in the first place and how this echo chamber that he created in, in Twitter is is hurting his feedback loop and it's uh, it, it's affecting it, it, it's affecting his decision making it's affecting maybe even his psyche if I, like that I'm maybe I may be reaching by saying that I'm no psychologist or anything like that but uh, in my opinion like uh, there was an article that came out this week it was in the Washington Post which obviously this is. Uh, targeting Elon because like Washington Post is owned by Jeff Bezos and Jeff Bezos 
can only think about how can he destroy Elon. Like, I don't know. I'm uh, I'm on the opinion of Joe Rogan on that one. Like <laughs> Jeff Bezos did it right, where like he, he he's out now. Like he's not. Is he completely out of Amazon? I mean, he's still obviously a huge shareholder, and I think he's the chairman. He's still chairman, I guess. So he still has some some to do with that. With he's not like Bill Gates, where he's yeah. totally out. But like, like he, he bailed out. He got all jacked up on steroids, and, and he's yeah. like moving up in his yacht with his uh, young bride. And whatever. I don't think she's young. I think she might have. Like, she's hot. <laughs> That's but she's, she's got a lot of plastic surgery. <laughs> okay, I haven't seen her in a while. But uh, he, he's like living the life now. Um, I don't think he's thinking too much about destroying Elon, and I, I don't. I wouldn't say that the, that article in particular was against. Um, was probably not probably not ordered by him or anything like that. It, it, it was accurate. The article was going into like some of the super fans' interaction with Elon, and uh, these they, they pulled out the stats of uh, Tesla Silicon Valley Owners Club, I think. Oh my and god! They they pulled out an average of nineteen replies to Elon Musk per day on average since this summer. It's not normal. And, not and normal. It, it, that's not normal in the first place. But then when you consider that, you consider two things. So the, the, account, the account is huge on Twitter, like 600,000 followers or something like that, and it's verified. So Elon sees it because Elon can only use his account through the verified feed because he's just too big of an account. So he sees those things popping up on his account a lot, 19 times per day. And you look at those replies and they're all just praising him all the time. And that's what has cultivated his Twitter account around. Like, you, you, obviously, we are blocked and we, we don't do that. And a lot of other critics have been blocked. Uh, and so when you create this, this, this whole environment where you're just getting praised all the time, and off, obviously, I'm not saying he's only get praised, obviously, he gets also critics out there. But he, he, when you just focus on all that praise and you just encourage that like like these guys that are just sending that 19 like because even if you are a giant fan of elon musk like even like if you agree with everything he did would you be sending him 19 praise a day like, like no it makes no sense it's completely unhealthy behavior and it cannot be positive on whoever that i forget that guy's name that runs that account and elon himself um and I still think Elon is one of the most important human being that we have to achieve this uh, this 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 um, goal that we have to accelerate the advent of electric transport. So, yeah, I think we should protect his psyche if we can, if we can have any impact on it. And our use of Twitter around him is one of them. Well, let's move on because I actually I think I forgot to mention it today, and I apologize to our sponsor EcoFlow. We're gonna fix that right now. I'm just having some issue navigating my old uh, show notes right now because of this this new system here, but I have it right now. So I just want to say thanks to EcoFlow because their Black Friday sale is here. They are sponsoring the show this week with a 50% off on the wide range of EcoFlow portable power and solar panel solution. You can use the code EFBF8OFF. Well, that's complicated. EFB8OFF. It's in the show notes. For eight percent extra off, but yeah, you can see in the show notes right now. Um, yeah, I mean they're great products, like little, basically a little power wall on that you can move around and uh, with solar, it's, it's it's plug and play power wall and uh, and solar. Um, you, you, you had one for a review at one point, Sam, did you? Yep, and uh, they're fantastic. Let me do a quick read on that. So, uh, EcoFlow's Black Friday sale is here. So it's a perfect time to score a deal on the EcoFlow portable power and solar panel solution. 
From weekend camping trips to powering a whole household in a blackout, EcoFlow offers portable power and solar combination for everyone. In the sale that Fred mentioned previously, you'll find discounts of up to 50% off on a wide range of products with an extra 8% off for electric listeners. The sale offers discounts on almost the entire lineup from EcoFlow, including its new Delta line that packs an industry-leading output up to 3.6 kilowatts. It's quite a bit. The 3.6 kilowatt capacity Delta Pro is also the world's first portable power station that can be charged by any level two EV charging station. You'll also get a free Delta Mini valued at $1,000 for orders over $5,000 or a free River Mini valued at $349 for orders over $3,000. You can check out the sale at the link in the show notes or at ecoflow.com now. Yeah, thank you, Ecoflow, for sponsoring this episode of the Electric Podcast. All right. Let's move on from Twitter because we have a bunch of other test news to discuss this week. At uh, least we had an exclusive. Um, Tesla can sold a bunch of solar project and it is scaling back its solar division to a degree. So we got a bunch of report this week from uh, people that had a Tesla solar project. Uh, either panels, solar panels, or solar roof. And uh, in different stages, some of them were already permitted, like design done, permitted, like ready for like, just give me an install date and uh, things are happening. But uh, then they got an email this week where Tesla, I'm going to quote the email here. You know, I got at this point, like uh, by the time I did the report, I had like half a dozen, but now I have received dozens since the, my, my article came out. Uh, thank you for your interest in Tesla Solar. Upon further review of your project, our team has determined that your home is in an area we no longer service. As we cannot complete your order, we have processor calculation. You will receive a refund and blah, 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 blah. So when I saw that, I was like, all right, you, no service. The, we, an area we no longer service. So I, I started asking everyone that got this email, like, where are they? Because I tell you, okay, maybe it's Tesla's pulling out of a certain state or Tesla is this certain area. But I couldn't find anything consistent. Like, literally, like, it's Southern California, which is a massive market for solar. Uh, I saw Northern California. I saw, I saw, um, I saw Oregon. I saw Florida, all, all very important, like solar markets and not like extremely rural region. I mean, literally the greater Los Angeles area, so someone in Glendale, uh, someone in uh, Irvine, like this just made no sense to me. Uh, and from what I'm hearing, there's hundreds and hundreds of projects that have been canceled. And Tesla is apparently literally pulling from, from those area. They're not going to service them. And uh, what they're telling those customers is, is that instead they can go through third-party certified installers and uh, Tesla has been using that for the solar roof for a while it's nothing exactly new they've been certifying people and we reported earlier this year that Tesla has moved uh, the, pro the program also to the solar panels where uh, Tesla used to for solar panel installers which is like most of like the big ones like uh, um, Sun Nation and, and, and uh, what are the big ones I'm blanking right now Sunrun and, and, and uh, Vivint and all those the uh, the normally the, if they work with Tesla is like they're gonna install a power power wall maybe with it though Tesla has very limited this uh, the availability of those uh, but now Tesla is even to installers is providing its own solar panels and uh, power walls and so that the and even solar inverters not gonna they produce their own solar inverters to create it to 
have third-party installers deploy the entire Tesla solar ecosystem. So you, you, you have uh, uh, access like the Tesla app and have all those features uh, that comes with it, but Tesla is not involved in the installation whatsoever. Now the problem is uh, the few the few uh, customers that I talked to that did go with that option after Tesla released that, they did contact those third-party installers. They were all given higher prices than Tesla gave them. Uh, because again, those pro those projects with Tesla were already advanced, and like this, the other price, they were waiting for installation date in some cases. So yeah, this is this is a, a somewhat of a major change in um, in this in, in Tesla Solar strategy because we saw Tesla having some momentum. Like after for a long time, the solar deployment was going down since the acquisition of Solar City. Over the last year, things were going up. So we thought oh, things are changing and everything. But no, apparently not. Uh, this this is a little scale back. Though it's a scale back of installation, maybe the total deployment, if they still count deployment, if they just sell panels and power walls, maybe they can count that. But they all, of course, they are still going to count power walls. But I don't know what's going to happen with solar exactly. So it's going to be something to keep an eye on, but definitely like a change of pace for Tesla and the solar division, uh, a little scale back. This is, this is one of those things where I would like to ask Tesla, like, okay, what are you doing here? What's happening? Because this is a weird move. And it's not the first time we've seen Tesla being weird about canceling some solar contracts, especially with a solar roof and like changing prices and all that. So it would have been nice for Tesla to comment on it, but obviously we cannot reach out to press anymore. And, um, you know, sometimes Tesla reaches, you know, like people at Tesla, um, reach out to you. I, I know uh, you, mm. you took a call today from somebody on the, mm. or took a DM today from uh, yeah. somebody on the, uh, the, the charging standard thing. But um, we've also gotten some solar stuff in the past from some of the Tesla employees. And I don't know if they're uh, supposed to, if they get Elon's permission to communicate with us, but um, I feel like this is one of those situations where they should have said something. Yeah. Speaking of, uh, I did reach out to a few people and it's not clear what's happening, but Tesla has also let go of a bunch of people in uh, the scheduling department and planning department of solar. So those mm -hmm. are the people that sent out the crews and everything. So yeah, there's, there's a lot of things that point to a significant scale back in solar installations. It's weird because yes, you know, Elon believes, and I think a lot of other financial people believe that we're either in a recession or we're going to go into a recession or it's going to mm -hmm. get worse or something. Um, but like Tesla doesn't have any, like they have money coming in. There's obviously they're making profits. They don't have to pay dividends to anybody. You know, why not invest in people and, you know, and more solar and more batteries. And it just seems weird that they're cutting back at this point because, you know, they, they haven't reached demand. Like, I don't think they're, I don't think they've made enough solar or they're, I don't think they're building more than the demand is out there. Yeah, me too. I don't, I don't understand it because like, especially if you have the whole process in place already, all the, all the processes are, are there is just scaling with hiring more people and training them and all that. Um, but all the processes are there, are there to make that happen. It's all about just capital, and that's what the, the solar industry had some problem with in terms of like financing those those projects with as little money down as possible. But I feel like Tesla, like you said, is in the best situation to do that with their with their cash situation. So yeah, it's I don't understand. It, it is a headache for sure. It's the, like to add on top of all the other business that Tesla has. But um, I I thought I thought they were just 
tight, like why they were not growing. I thought it's because they were tightening everything up to be very solid and then scale from a solid point instead of uh, of like taking like the struggling solar city and and trying to make it work. But no, apparently not. All right. Uh, good news on the for the people that have salvaged Tesla vehicles, Tesla vehicles with salvage titles. Um, since the 2020, Tesla removed access to supercharging and third-party DC fast charging. You could just not fast charge at all with a Tesla vehicle that was uh, that had a salvage title. And just so people understand here, like obviously Tesla gave like a safety reason for it without giving too many details. They say it's dangerous, whatever. Uh, obviously, with the image I'm showing right now of a salvage vehicle, <laughs> I'm uh, I'm going to one extreme end of a of a scenario, but you you have to understand that some vehicles are declared total and they go to salvage even though they're not that hurt like that destroyed uh, these days like insurance company will declare something total pretty quickly especially expensive vehicles that uh, all body works are very expensive that happens a lot so a lot of people were very frustrated because they felt like they were just killing the value of uh, salvage vehicles and people that put back salvage vehicles together in good conditions they're recycling. That's what they're doing. Like they're just keeping electric vehicles on the road. That's a good thing for electrification. A good thing for the environment. And Tesla just like uh, um, hit them pretty hard with that. But uh, what we learned this week, Electric, um, we obtained some com internal communication that Tesla gave to employees for a new process, a new two-step process where uh, they combine the already existing uh, high-voltage battery inspection that uh, Tesla can offer with a new salvage title vehicle fast-charging safety inspection. So once you get both of those, uh, Tesla can re-enable re DC fast-charging, so give you access back to the supercharger network or third-party DC fast-charging station, and as long as you pass the inspection and the DC fast-charging test with it. Uh, we don't have any details on how much that's going to cost and everything, but I don't, I don't expect it to be too expensive. And and the good thing too is that uh, Tesla is going to do the test, uh, do do the inspection, and if they are like, okay, you passed it, they do a, a DC fast charging test. They re-enable your, your DC fast charging, do a DC fast charging test, regardless of the result of that test. If you have been deemed uh, <laughs> deemed okay by the inspection. You, you, you're going to be re-enabled. So if, if something doesn't work, your supercharger, you might be able to do third party or something like that. Uh, if Tesla does the inspection and finds that something is not okay, uh, they will offer to replace those parts to do the repairs. Of course, at your cost, obviously, but uh, still at least there's, there's, a path, there's a clear path to re-enabling DC fast charging and uh, including supercharging. So great news for... Tesla tinkerers with salvage title vehicles. Yeah, our uh, friend of the site, Jason Hughes, uh, seemed to be pretty excited about this uh, opportunity for him. Uh, yeah. I guess salvage people all over the, are going to be in good shape now. Yeah, rich rebuilds too and people like right. that. All right, it was uh, earnings week this week for a lot of automakers, including Rivian. They, uh, they posted their earnings with uh, expansion of 67% of the production. They are reiterating their 25,000 units production goal for 2022. And uh, so I think now they are at 15,000 units. So they're going to need 10,000 units produced in the last three months of the year. 
But uh, let's look into revenue, a half a billion dollars in revenue in the third quarter. So pretty good. Uh, but uh, where things hurt is uh, operating costs grew to $850 billion, a million dollars. So that's up uh, almost $150 million from the same quarter last year. Um, the net loss was $1.7 billion. So that also hurt. But they still have $13.8 billion cash. So they're going to survive for a while. Um, what I want, though, is the gross margin on their car. Did we not post that? I think uh, it's negative. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know it's negative. I just want to see how it tracks. So let me see here. I can uh, I can pull up the shareholder letter. I, um, I feel like I read that it was uh, still quite large. Because that's that's what we really need to be tracking. I should have told Peter when. Uh, when he wrote the article, so the gross profit, yeah, that's not what we want. We want the profit margin on the vehicles. Where's the income statement? Income statement. They make that so hard to find these days. Okay, there you go. So 2022, they got $500 million of revenue for selling those those vehicles, and it cost them $1.5 to do it. Yeah, that's that's just awful. So that's that's what that's the thing that I see people like commenting on, like, oh, well, whenever the production ramps up, so like this quarter, for example, they claim that they're gonna produce ten thousand units, so, so that's way up from last quarter. Like, then then that's when they're gonna start making money. Not necessarily if they still have gross margin on it, like negative gross margin, they're gonna lose money still. I don't like there's a point where the economy of scale does impact it, but not not that kind of impact, not an impact from going from negative uh, 50% to to positive 5%, like this this too big of a step from just regular economy of scale. There has to be something else that breaks. So yeah, that this is still a problem that uh, needs to be fixed at Rivian. Again, they still have almost $14 billion cash on end, so they have time to fix this, but not that much time because I would assume that if the trends continue right now on the gross margin. They're gonna lose over 2.5 billion dollars this quarter, uh, and that's gonna be a big hit on their 14 billion dollar <laughs> cash on end. Yeah, uh, and and you know the question is why can't they, you know, make a car at break even, or why can't they get closer mm -hmm. to break even? And I just don't understand like how they're not able to get closer to break even, you know, these months later. I know they're ramping up. I know this is new to them, all the other stuff, but it doesn't seem like they're reeling in the the costs. Well, one of the big problems is that they came into production with a big backlog of orders at a price that was too low, right? Uh, that they promised, and and to give them benefit of like to to, to give them some credit here. A lot of companies will have then screw that. Uh, let's just let, let's just go with um, let, let let's just change people's prices, even though they have a reservation. And instead, they were oh, we'll we'll honor the well, they they had some they, people media, including ourselves, had to apply some pressure, but they did they did reverse uh, back to do that. Uh, but now they had so many reservation that uh, people that 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 decided to go through with the order. With the old price, 
they are still working through that backlog. And that ba the backlog has increased. Uh, I'm impressed by it, like 100, 113,000 uh, reservation right now for, for, for Rivian. That's, that's massive for a company that's going to produce 25,000 trucks this year. Right. They basically have four years of production, four years of backlog right now. It's, it's insane. Well, theoretically, they're going to be at you know, yeah. 10,000 next quarter. Yeah. So, so yeah, 40,000. So let's say two years of production rate at this quarter if they do achieve their stated goal. But uh, they, they are still working through those people that had the hold pricing. So I'm sure, but if, but looking at this, how negative that gross margin, like it's it costing them three times as much money to build a truck as they are selling it for. So we're nowhere near the, what, the 15 to 20% uh, price increase that they have on the new units. It, it's, it's, not, it's nowhere near. So there has to be something that, that, that changed for them to, to, to survive here. Uh, again, they still have time, but they, they have less time than people think. Yeah. Um, all right. I need to go back here, do this. Starting to get the hang of this new uh, system here. I'm getting it. I'm getting it. Stick with me. The other uh, earnings result that were released were Lucid. Uh, they delivered 1,400 uh, 1, Lucid Air, their sedan. And uh, that brought them almost $200 million worth of revenue. Let me see here where they are at in terms of cost of revenue. So, because they have the exact same issue as Rivian, basically. But not as bad, because uh, on $200 million of revenue, they, it cost them about $500 million. So, still, still twice as much. So, not three times the amount of money that it costs, but uh, twice. Um, though the, the production is ramping up, so that's going to help too here, but to to a degree, um, they have they have 30, 34,000 air on reservation. That's also very good. Doesn't sound as much because we just talked about Rivian having a hundred thousand of them, but uh, the air is a more expensive car. Well, I mean, it's a more expensive car. They, they, right now, they do have options that are cheaper. Uh, they're just not available just yet. Um, What's their cash on end? <laughs> because I'm mm -hmm. a little bit more worried about them on that, though, uh, even though they're losing less money. I kind of actually wish they'd run out of money so that somebody would buy them, like Apple or... <laughs> but I don't know. Uh, we didn't share the cash on end. I feel like Apple is perfect for Lucid because, you know, Apple wants to build premium stuff. Lucid's premium. They've got really good motors, got really good vehicles. Apple wants to start high end. I'm sure. They're based in Northern California. Yeah, it's just all it all packaged up nicely. Yeah. Like, uh, I'm not against it. I'm definitely not against it. All right. Uh, we also had a few unveilings this week. Uh, Audi came out with the Q8 e-tron. God, I hate hate their naming scheme. Yeah. Their naming scheme scheme. I can. I, I, they should. Like as soon as they go all electric, like there's no there's no gas power, they should just drop the e-tron and just oh, I go back to Q8, Q4, Q6, and and that's it. Yeah. Um, I mean, Audi. It's not the, the unveilings are not like exciting anymore because like the 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 design their styling is extremely close of of their of their existing SUVs. Like the Q8 thing here is a, if you're used to Audi SUV, it's sharp though, very sharp SUV. Um, yeah, I, they're quite popular too. Yeah, yeah, for good reasons. They're solid, solid vehicles. Uh, talking about 600 kilometers of range here. Um, let's see. 
273 miles of range that it adds up. But let's see all the, the different, uh, I have so many. <laughs> the Q8 50 e-tron, Q8 sports 50 e-tron, Q8 55 e-tron. Like it's <laughs> There's three more. Uh, so yeah, it's uh, 106 kilowatt hour battery pack for the 55 version, the bigger. And, and uh, you have dual motor. It starts with dual motors, and you have a tri-motor version for the performance SQ8 and SQ8 Sports back. And uh, those three motors uh, equals to 350, 370 kilowatts of power output. So even though they are, the other ones are dual motors, you have two capacity because you have 250 for the base ones and 300. So it goes 250. 300 both for dual motors and then 370 for a tri-motor version and uh, in terms of range uh, the basic one q850 has an 89 kilowatt battery pack just like the sports back version and um, the sports back is a little bit more efficient with 314 miles of range 305 for the non-sports back version those are all WLTP range, by the way. It's not APA because this this unveiling was just for the European market. Uh, it's going to take a little bit before it reaches the US market. But yeah, if uh, if you go with the uh, bigger battery pack version, but still dual motors, you can get up to 373 miles of range. And again, the more, the tri-motor performance version, uh, you still have the bigger battery pack, but with the higher performance, you get a little bit less efficiency. Uh, up to 319 miles of range. Uh, the unveil the base price is going to start at 74,000 euros in Germany. So the euro and the USD is basically at parity right now, but uh, that includes uh, taxes in, in, in Germany, I would assume. So I would think something closer to $65,000 for the base price. But you're gonna probably get be able to get that up to a hundred thousand dollars if you go with the tri-motor version with the bitter battery pack. We should we should probably get some time with that car, I guess, in early next year or something like that. Yeah, I would imagine. It seems like a, a one of the top ones out there. And the tri-motor, that's that new. Uh, what is it called? PPE? No, it's that pl new platform that uh, PPE is the platform with Porsche. But uh, I, I wasn't aware that. Uh, as far as I knew, only the GT was uh, was that. I didn't know that. I thought the, the tri motor was uh, on the PPE, but maybe not. Maybe uh, I don't see it at first glance from uh, from a report. But it was not the only uh, big SUV, electric SUV, to be unveiled this week. Uh, the Volvo also came out with the EX90 electric SUV, which is dubbed the safest vehicle that it has ever produced. And if you know Volvo, they are. Uh, they're known for their safe vehicles, so that's a, that's a big deal here. Uh, Seth, uh, I'm going to let you talk about that one because I think it caught your eyes this week, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, so, you know, uh, I'm, I'm in the market for a Rivian R1S. And uh, when I originally put down for it, uh, Rivian said, hey, it'll be around late 2022. Well, it's late 2022 right now. It's mm -hmm. not coming anytime soon. Uh, the latest that they put me on is late 2023. So I'm a little bit worried that's even going to slip further. And this thing comes out in late 2023. So maybe I'll have a look at this one. Mm -hmm. um, it's got some really good specs. It looks, I think looks really nice. Um, it's not insanely priced. It's what 80,000, I think is the starting price. Oh, I don't it's, know. It's got a bunch of LIDAR stuff. It's going to do a bunch of self-driving. It, it does a lot of cool stuff with like, uh, you know, if your eyes start to wander, it, it like uh scooter mentioned that on the um 
preview that uh, it even knows if you're intoxicated, which, you know, I don't want to comment on my, uh, my, you would never get, I would never exactly. So, uh, I, I just think that's a, you know, some really cool stuff, really cool technology went into this and it's a great size. So, um, you know, we're looking for the third row thing. Um, big frunk, big storage at the back. People see it here. Um, and it's funny, it kind of looks like, I don't know if you saw this inside, but it looks really Model s inside, like with that old um, oh, wow, vertical yeah. screen and stuff. Um, and it's all super minimalist, a la Tesla. The, is Volvo going with the Android Auto, like Polestar? Yeah, so Volvo's yeah. full into Android Auto, so you get that like really good maps thing, and then you get all the apps that are in the App Store, which isn't amazing selection right now, but at least there's like a you know, a way for people to build apps. And as more companies jump into, you know, uh, Android for auto, like uh, Ford, I think is all in. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's gonna be a lot of cars. I think Dodge is actually all in as well. Um, or, uh, you know, the, the Chrysler group. And, um, you know, there's there's a bunch more coming. So theoretically, there's, you know, there'll be a huge market for these apps. So more apps will be built and there'll be some cool stuff out there. Mm-hmm. So, so here are the, the specs right here. Um, the same specs as the uh, e-tron that we just discussed, the Q8. Up to 600 kilometers of range, 273 miles. That's, again, WLTP. Uh, 10 to 80% charging in under 30 minutes. Dual motor version will be powered by 11 kilowatt hour battery pack. They're basically the same specs as the Q8 e-tron. Uh, it's very similar. similar. Yep. 180 kilowatt hours, like basically the exact same pack of the uh, top end of the, the e-tron. Bi-directional charging, including plug-in charge. Yeah. Um, when it, you said it's coming 2023. Is it, you sure that's U.S.? That's uh... uh. Well, that's what my reservation says. So. <laughs> well, those are always correct. Right, so. right. I've never seen a reservation that was not accurate on the timing of deliveries. Speaking of other legal that <laughs> we don't know exactly when it's going to come, but it's going to be awesome. Uh, whoop. It's the Terran Reaver, an all-electric ATV. Had the chance to uh, play around with the prototype last weekend. We got the exclusive here at Electrek, and it's not because we are the coolest and best EV publication out there, which we are. It's because they are basically my neighbors. <laughs> the, the company is based here in Shawinigan, and uh, the the developer this really cool electric. Uh, ATV, and there are a bunch of electric ATVs out there already, but there's none of them have been really built from the ground up to be electric. A lot of them are just converted. A lot of them have uh, lead acid batteries, which that does no business in an electric vehicle in 2022. And um, and yeah, so they're they're not there. There's some of them are like more like you know here in this image you see the cyber quad for kids. It's basically that, just a little bit more blown up and and maybe a little bit more powerful, but certainly not as powerful as the Reaver, which has a 52 kilowatt motor in it. And uh, what's impressive too is that they managed to keep that vehicle lighter than um, than uh, an, an average, an equivalent in size. Uh, ATV gas powered ATV, which normally is the contrary for electric vehicles, but they they really they, they, by designing everything from the ground up, they were able to save a lot of uh, of weight. And uh, you know, they, uh, I'm not saying that ATVs companies are lazy or like that, but there's not as much innovation as maybe they should be in the ATV market. So when a startup very nimble is entering that space and they're smart about it, there's a way to innovate here. And I think they did that uh, at Tehran, and they did pretty something pretty cool because. 
what or the other thing that is uh, unable going electric with any TV is that people use ATVs for different reasons. Like you just want to have fun with it. You just you just uh, uh, ride around at, at full speed and whatever. Like that's that's one use, and you can definitely do that with a reaver. But it's also you can be a workhorse. Like here, the reason why I want it is like I have a nice little piece of land here, and I I have work that I need to do. Uh, that's literally at the other side of it, which is probably like basically kilometers away. And uh, if I want to bring tools there and everything, and I have to walk all the way there, I cannot bring my car. I have my Suron, but <laughs> it's not very great for, for carrying stuff around. So this thing, you have a towing capacity of 1,500 pounds, uh, so you can put a trailer on it. And because it's electric, they're doing some very cool things where you're going to be able to like like the F it's it's like the F150 of ATVs F150 Lightning of ATVs you're going to be able to power tools on, on it in the back charge a power station it's going to be like a, a mobile workstation basically and, and how much how much power did they say would be available they they haven't confirmed it just yet but uh it's going to be enough to power some power tools that's cool. Um, they, they haven't finalized exactly what that's going to look like, but uh, the, the old system is built around enabling that with a software update soon. And um, yeah, so you, you can do both. You can do have fun and have it as a workstation at the same time. And then with having the battery pack there, you can also, they, they designed it so that they're going to be able to plug custom-made accessories for the uh, the Reaver. We're talking about like... Uh, it's not a snowplow, a snowblower. You're going to be able to attach a snowblower in the front, and it's nice. going to be an electric snowblower attached, powered by the propulsion battery pack of the of the vehicle. So a full electric, like a mini snow, not actually mini, it's still a big one, but not like a, a, like the front loaders one. And they are also talking about a self-powered trailer where it has a small electric motor in it, and you attach it to the... Um, the reaver and you basically turn your uh, your reaver into a four by four or a six by six because you can also have it as a dual motor and uh, you basically have like just a super strong of a pulling machine it's and they are even talking about putting solar on that trailer so you can self-charge for people that are actually going on trip on the tvs because that's not a big part of the market but uh, it's still it's, some people like to do it so that will enable that Instead of like it's the equivalent of you see people carrying like jerry can of gasoline on their ATVs, the trailer with solar is going to be the equivalent of that, which I think is pretty cool. Um, but uh, yeah, they, they've they, uh, they've done some cool things. They inspired from Tesla, where uh, the first prototype had a Tesla battery pack in it, like the uh, battery modules. They used um, battery modules from a salvage Tesla, and so they inspired. They, they got inspired by the modules for their own modules that they've designed. And uh, they managed to fit a 20 kilowatt hour battery pack in there, so that's that's pretty significant. Uh, in terms of range, I mean, it's hard to talk about range with an ATV because uh, it completely depends on how you use it. Uh, you can go like crazy with it, or you can just like slowly go around your land to work with it. Uh, they're talking about 190 kilometers of range, about 110 miles of range, but uh, again, that doesn't mean much. But 20 kilowatt hour battery pack, it's it's massive for this. Like you. you you're able to use this for a whole week without charging it. And if you charge it, you have level two charging, J1772. You can recharge it about uh, three hours. Uh, top speed, 100 kilometers an hour, 62 miles per hour, which is faster than you want to go. On Crazy. Those. Yeah, yeah. And depending on where you because that's the thing. You don't want to really want to use these on the road. Like that. You're going to want this off-road because on the road, yeah, with the giant tires and everything, they don't feel great on the road. Uh, so, yeah, that kind of speed off-road in the forest, <laughs> it's insane. 
Uh, in terms of pricing and availability, uh, it starts at uh, $14,000 USD uh, for the 10 kilowatt hour version. So you have the 10 or the 20 kilowatt hour version. Uh, if you want to upgrade to the 20 kilowatt hour version, that's 17,500. And then you have the an option for your second motor, which is a bit expensive. If you want to go with the second motor, it's $4,000 to add on either one of those version. Uh, so I, I'm super excited about it, and I want to encourage the company too because uh, they're local, and I think they're a really cool company. And so I did place an order for it. If you you have to place a refundable deposit, $450 to 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 get the to get a reservation and they already have some in customers hands right now and but they're moving they have a financing round right now to that they're trying to close to move to volume production so they only plan to make about 100 next year that's not a ton uh, but those are going to be actual production version and then they're going to move to a higher production in 2024 so if you want to have your name on the list you need to place a reservation right now um but uh, yes, yeah, some deliveries next year for sure. All right, uh, that's pretty much it for all the news this week. Uh, you can check out the video about it. I, I posted a video with a lot more details on, on our YouTube channel right now if you want to go check it out. All but, right. Uh, questions. Let's move in quick because we're already 108. Yeah. Uh, love the new electric web design. Yeah, thanks to everybody who helped with that. Um, we're still tightening things up a little bit here and there, but I think it's better overall, much faster on mobile as well. A traditional bass. Uh, so EVgo, etc., will have the adapter for Tesla owners, but not vice versa. Tesla chargers will not adapt to other manufacturers. I don't know that we know that yet. Um, yeah. But it doesn't it doesn't seem like with this, like we kind of assumed that they were going to do something, but not this. Um, so with this, it seems like the chances of uh, adapters for U.S. market have gone down. But Tesla has said they're going to do. Uh, they're going to charge. Yeah, we literally said that they're going to have CCS compatibility at their charging station in the U.S. So uh, I did not take this as a change of plan on that. I think this is like a one more thing on top of it. Uh, but I, I might just be assuming that too. And Tesla is actually the is is the if if we're right about the funding, like the incentive things, that that might be <laughs> what is happening. But uh, I'm still hopeful that the plan is, is remains to also have CCS adapters and CCS compatibility compatibility at the uh, superchargers. Yeah, and and uh, just to answer her second question, uh, what about the Teslas made in other countries? Don't they use a different charger? Yes, they use CCS. Uh, yeah, in in different CCS than in North America, though they use CCS right, combo too, which is a bit different. But, but yeah. All right, question uh, from Bike Angelus. It seems the Twitter deal represents the greatest risk to Tesla since they ramped, since Model 3 uh, went big. What do you think about that? Uh, I mean, I think the Twitter deal, and I, I think Elon Musk at this point is the greatest threat to uh, to Tesla. And I think Twitter is part of what is having Elon Musk uh, uh, losing it a little bit. Uh, so, so yeah, I guess, but, um, I think there's more than just Twitter, but I think I, I literally think that Twitter, not just the deal, but is use of Twitter right. is a major influence of him. Like I keep going back of like the capture thing. You remember when he told me that I was captured by the Tesla shorts and the, and they influenced me into becoming anti-Tesla. 
I think he basically like thought he was, he was projecting about projecting, himself. Kind of. Yeah, because I think he got captured by the right by uh, because the, the the Democrats were were being mean to him. And, uh, and to be fair, the Democrats did some dumb things too. Like it's not it's for not sure. like they, they they did things that they shouldn't have done, for sure. And they did things purely political, including the the union thing that they were trying to give forty five hundred dollars uh, to EVs made by unions. That was definitely anti Tesla, and but not specifically for Tesla. I think it was just like for unions. But uh, yeah, so 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 I think those things build up together. Uh, started started having an influence on him, and then obviously the whole echo chamber that he built around him on Twitter with uh, with the Omars and 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 Sawyer and and all on all those people. Uh, I think, and the, again, I, I don't want to sound mean. Like I, I don't think these people mean bad. Even Omar, who I think is a complete idiot, <laughs> I, don't, I don't think he means bad. I think I think he doesn't understand what the impact he's having. On, on on the situation i think he's just like uh, i'm super pro tesla and i want tesla to succeed which i agree with him and i want tesla to succeed too but he's doing it in a way that uh he doesn't see how it's effect eroding on on elon's uh psyche and affecting the whole situation yeah all right let's move on um Follow-up question, how do you assess the rollout of other charging networks in the USA with supercharger networks seeming to be fully deployed for seamless uh, SUV driving? Uh, competing automakers are at a deficit. Um, I think that's, I don't know, what do you think about that? I mean, I, I've seen, we've said it for years that uh, legacy automakers should have invested in their own networks, not relied on third party, and third party had a very bad track record in terms of usability and the uptime uh, but it is getting better and um and so uh, it's tracking for the best but yeah. tesla definitely still have a giant advantage from investing on it early and they keep investing on it and they keep it's it's hard to catch up but at the same time if now if everything becomes open like tesla i just as given everybody like the the no one can complain about tesla like having a moat with with the supercharger network now because they just said like you guys can have it. You can have our standard and, and get on board. Obviously, people like that would also help them with making the supercharger a bigger revenue stream. But still, like they, 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 no one can say that Tesla is trying to build a moat with the supercharger network anymore. Yep. All right, Carl in San Diego disagree that Elon is helping with sustainable transportation. Or we're getting pretty... Uh, he has been so focused on building what he wants and not what the, is sustainable. I guess it's, you know, bigger, faster cars and not, you know, like smaller bolts and stuff. Yeah. But that, do you agree with that? Well, no, I think, I, they, think, he, I think the faster I'm, cars, the performance and everything, I think that that's all that's what people want. Not only it's what people want, it help dispel a lot of the stereotypes about electric cars being golf cars and things like that. Like that, that was still the case. People don't remember. Like I, that was still the case until the last, like, yeah, and even from the Model S, it took a while. It took it took the dual motor uh, event. It took uh, it took even maybe up to until Plaid. Like and now, now I think it's just you're living under a rock if you don't if you don't know like if you want the fastest car in the world, the most the performance car in the world, you have to go electric. But uh, it wasn't too long ago that it wasn't the case. All right, Carl in San Diego, this is some rare good news from Tesla that they reversed the decision for salvage vehicles. Yeah, what do you think the uh i mean we talked about it before but what do you think the motivation was 
I don't. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, someone, <laughs> someone who actually reached out and, and uh, gave me the tip from Tesla <laughs> uh, had a theory about it. And I mean, they were at Tesla, but I don't think they were privy to like the actual thinking behind the decision or anything like that. Uh, and they had a theory where with opening up the supercharger network, whether through CCS or now, or now this, this new open standard, they are onboarding non-Tesla EVs on the network, on their CCS, and they have no way of knowing if that car was salvaged or not, title, salvage title or not, like they do for their own cars because right. they have all your data, <laughs> believe it or not. So it looks bad for them to like, oh, they say, oh, no Tesla vehicle salvage on, on, on DC fast charging, but they're going to accept like a bolt that has been salvaged on their supercharger network. Like that would make no sense. So uh, I guess that's a theory, but I don't know if that, that's the one that made it. It is for sure that they, they have no excuse that it took two years to make that happen. Though. Yeah. All right. Uh, this is just a comment. Elon has a long history of being pro-free speech, except the speech he disagrees with. I think we're all kind of seeing that. Um, what does a bankrupt Rivian look like? Does Amazon swoop in or does it just go away? I don't think it would go away. Mm -hmm. I don't know if Amazon would swoop in or or maybe one of the you know other investors. I guess Amazon would be the Yeah, I mean I, I guess like when I say like the the clock is ticking with they have 13 billion dollars in the bank and they're losing 2 billion a quarter. That's just like with the reserve money that they have they could still raise more money and Amazon could come in and help. So yeah, I'm not I'm I'm saying it's a problem but it obviously I don't I, I'm not like predicting that Rivian's going to go bankrupt soon I'm, I'm just saying that uh, it's something to keep an eye on because the we live in a capitalistic world and uh, if you want your, if you want the vehicle program to succeed you have it has to be a profitable vehicle program there's just no way around it all right two more questions joel sap says seth what do you think of the ev9 this is in regard to the uh, volvo that i uh, put an order on in case yeah, the did, you, did you not reserve that one so the EV9 is not available for reservation yet. Kia EV9. Oh, really? So um, that it, the final form hasn't even been announced. There's uh, at the LA Auto Show last year, um, Kia showed off a prototype, and it's you know it's way too funky to be you know close to final. Mm -hmm. But I don't know when that they said that they're going to have <clears throat> they're going to be on the streets in 2023, and they haven't released it yet. So I don't know when that's going to drop but you know knowing kia it's probably going to be you know in the 50 60 70 thousand dollar range mm -hmm. so that'll be something to watch as well that's definitely on my radar um and then the last question just got a call from a local uh what's that service center asking me yeah. if i wanted a model y i am concerned that tesla has a demand problem again uh i mean i don't know where you're located Francois. uh like that it's 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 more of an allocation thing like yeah whatever like literally could be someone that canceled their order last minute and now they have a vehicle uh available and they're looking for someone that's willing to take that specific configuration right now uh, so i wouldn't be worried so much about it like that but uh yeah i mean tesla right now i mean i assume you're in the u.s if you're in the u.s tesla is kind of in a weird situation where a lot of people are waiting for next year when when some of those vehicles, including the Model Y, are going to be eligible for a nice little seventy-five hundred dollar check. So, yeah. All right, that's uh, that's pretty much it. Yeah, I have an accent. <laughs> if you have an accent too, brother, Dave. <laughs> <Seattle>. <laughs>
everyone has an accent. I'm trying to do my best. It is my second language. Um, but yeah, thank you. Thank you very much for listening to the show this week. Oh, we went a little bit long. We had a lot to discuss, but uh, I hope you appreciate it. And I thank you for EcoFlow uh, for sponsoring the show this, this week. Uh, you can use their code. Uh, had it right here. Um, you can look at the description of the of the show though, because it is a, a weird one. EFBF eight off for an extra eight percent off, and that's that's on top of their Black Friday sale of fifty percent off. Yep. Up you can see there sometimes. Yeah, so like yeah, go get it. if you need a, a power station, go get it right now. And uh, we're gonna see you same time, same place next week. Have a good one. <laughs>